I want to say there was a bit of an audio issue in the very beginning. We had one of our uh, you know, mic receivers come off. So the first eight minutes, the podcast audio is a little messy. If you skip to what is AGI, that'll fix it completely. However, we did a lot to try to amend the original audio. And um, you know, we hope you still enjoy the podcast. If you can't bear it, just skip to the eight minute mark, the what is AGI mark, and it'll be so much more bearable there and there'll be no audio issues. This was our first time doing a podcast in person, so we will improve more moving forward. Thank you guys. If you enjoyed the video, make sure you like, subscribe, comment down below, stay till the end, and we'll do a little giveaway for everybody. The how to enter will be at the end. Hello. Thank you guys so much for coming to this podcast today. I really appreciate it. This is the Cardano Aura podcast. I bring people in the Cardano ecosystem that are adding an immense value to the Cardano ecosystem. And this is a special one today. This is my first ever in-person podcast. And I have Ben Gortzel with me today. And we're going to be talking about SingularityNet and really the SingularityNet ecosystem, everything that they've been working on over there. I'm really excited for it. How are you doing today, Ben? Pretty good. Pretty good. No, it's a, it's a pleasure to... To meet meet you in person and do, do this podcast face to face. I, I enjoyed our, our conversation over the uh, over the interwebs last time, but face to face has a special flavor, especially face to face with a with a robot as well. Yeah, uh, that's definitely adds yeah. a, a new level of excitement yeah. there. And yeah, you know, when you listen to Lex Friedman or Joe Rogan, they really talk about how you face to face podcasts. They really add a new level and that was kind of my goal with this is i'm going to try to have more in-person podcasts when i can but of course you know it's uh, 2022 we're in the digital era and, and you know crypto uh, the community is all around the world so you know very briefly i know a lot of people uh, already know who you are but can you introduce yourself and uh, you know your history in you know artificial intelligence and then leading up to that also your history in cryptocurrency sure thing so you know, I began my career with a mathematics PhD from the 1980s, and I've really identified as an AI researcher, and particularly artificial general intelligence researcher for most of my career. Currently, I find myself also in the role of CEO of a cryptocurrency company, SingularityNet. But these threads do all weave together in, in, in a quite natural way. I mean, I was... I was interested in AI before I did my PhD in math even, but the, the things that were being studied in academic AI back in the 80s didn't it interest me that much. I mean, neural nets are not fashionable or unfashionable, but you know, learning from experience was unfashionable. AI was largely about programming the AI with rules based on your own expert knowledge and having it try to derive consequences. I really felt that was the wrong approach. And AI needs to learn from its own life, from its own experience, and you know, build its own self and understanding that way. So I did a degree in math instead. I mean, I always loved math. It's fascinating. Math is going to be the foundation of you know all science and engineering. But as I did my degree in math, I mean, I was already thinking about how does human mind work? How would artificial minds work? How could how could you build build an artificial mind? And I was an academic for 10 years in departments of math, computer science, and cognitive science. I left academia in the late 90s when I felt my thinking about AI had advanced the point where I wanted to build stuff. And, you know, I could program pretty well myself then, working with grad students, so things progressed slowly. I realized I needed, like, professional engineering teams to, to do the experiments I wanted to do and learn what I wanted to learn about how to build AGI systems. So, 97, 98, I left academia 
and I've been in the software industry in various forms ever since, working on artificial general intelligence research and development. And I, I introduced the term AGI, meaning artificial general intelligence, in 2004, 2005, started organizing the annual AGI research conference series in, in, in 2006, and it's been going every, every year since. Along the way, though, to make a living, I've been doing AI applications in pretty much every, every vertical market. So when I was nine years in D.C. doing AI for national security applications for various three-letter agencies and doing AI for longevity genomics, cancer genomics, and so on since the Human Genome Project since 2000, 2001. Bunch of less, less sexy stuff in AI for e-commerce, e e mar marketing, and so forth. Financial financial prediction, I help with a few machine learning-based hedge funds, including Peter Thiel's Clarion Capital. Robotics, I worked for Hanson Robotics for a number of years in, in Hong Kong. Actually, I, I brought David Hanson to Hong Kong originally because he was in Texas. I was in Hong Kong, and I'm like, you got to come here. This is where you get investment for your robotics projects. It's also where you're going to scale up manufacturing across, across the border in, in, in South China, in Shenzhen and Dongguan. So I was chief scientist and head of software for Hanson Robotics when we made this Sophia robot in 2015-2016. Then became the world's first robot citizen and led on to some other things like Sophia's little sister Grace, who is a, an elder care robot whose AI software leverages a whole bunch of software I've, I've worked on, including the SingularityNet blockchain-based AI platform, including the OpenCog Proto AGI toolkit. We also know have another somewhat crazier little sister of uh, of Sophia, who you who you, you you met yesterday, which is uh, the robot Desdemona, who is the the poetess and lead, lead vocalist of our our Gem Galaxy band and, and 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 music project. So I'm continuing to do stuff with the handsome robots, but SingularityNet which is my, my primary pursuit now, apart from AGI research, actually came out from some conversations I had with David Hansen and a young crypto geek named Simone Giacomelli who came to visit Hansen Robotics in, in Hong Kong in, in May 2017. And we were talking about how, you know, ultimately the brain of a robot like this is mostly not on the computer that's in her torso, certainly not in her head, which is full of like 35 motors, right? The brain is mainly on the cloud. And so what cloud should the brain of the robot be in? Once you've got millions of these robots rolling all over in, in elder care facilities and Sophia robots being sales robots and Desdemona robots, sisters leading, leading music bands all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. where, 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 do the, where do their minds run? Do you want them all running on, on AWS? Well, not, not really. You want them running in a decentralized robot mind cloud, right? So you, you want them running on computers that are all over the place with appropriate data sovereignty, data privacy, data ownership going to the robots and then to the users of those robots. So we started talking about how to use blockchain to make a decentralized robot mind cloud. But then, of course, you realize the robot from that standpoint is just one user interface, right? What, what you want, what you want is a decentralized AI cloud that lives all over wherever and whatever processors want to join it, and that supplies AI services to any application needing AI without having any central owner or controllers and all network of AIs, right? And this this concept led to SingularityNet. We then did we then did an initial token offering 
the end of 2017, and that enabled us to ramp up the, the building activity. So by, by now, we've got a pretty nice platform for decentralized AI on SingularityNet. We built a bunch of cool AI, AI tools on, on, on that platform. We're running parts of the minds of these, of these robots on the SingularityNet platform. And what brought us together, we're in the midst of porting the SingularityNet platform from Ethereum onto Cardano, which will provide greater scale, uh, low, low, lower cost and greater security than the Ethereum basis for the current version of SingularityNet. I mean, we used Ethereum in spite of its known flaws because in 2017, it was the only platform providing a, a smart contracts, a smart contract system. It's no longer the case. Yeah. And then we're, you know, we're looking at scaling up more and more with HyperCycle, which is our own, our own custom Cardano side chain. I think we're really the SingularityNet come, come into its own. Yeah. So earlier you mentioned that you coined the term AGI. What does that mean? Artificial general intelligence is really a an imprecise rather than a fully rigorous term, though there are various approaches to make it a fully scientific term. But then I'd say life in biology is also an imprecise rather than fully rigorous term, right? These Im imprecise terms, consciousness is, is another one. These imprecise terms do guide our thinking, right? And what, yeah. what artificial general intelligence means is intelligence that's able to generalize and make imaginative creative leaps significantly beyond its training data and, and, and its programming. Kind of like how you and I learned to use the internet when, I mean, in my case, it barely existed when I was born, right? In your case, the internet existed, but an awful lot of the tools you use now, nobody programmed your brain to use them, right? And often you weren't explicitly taught to use them. You fiddled around and figured out how to use them by transferring ideas and experiences you, you had in, in, in the past, right? So if you, if you look, for example, at DeepMind's Gato system, which came out just in the last couple of weeks, this is really cool. It's a neural net that can do 600 different tasks, right? So, I mean, one neural network can, can do all, 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 the, all these different things from natural language tasks to, to playing a video game to moving a robot arm. But the reason I don't think that has that much to do with general intelligence is you can't give it a totally new kind of task, like say, fly, fly a spaceship or figure out how to, how to, how to, how to, how to weave a sweater or, or say, you know, apply category theory to computer security. You can't give it a totally new type of task and have it transfer the knowledge from all the other tasks to accelerate its learning, its learning of the new qualitatively different tasks. So it doesn't, it doesn't do this sort of wild generalization from seemingly different domains to, so, to something new. Mm -hmm. And that's really what you need in order to confront with an unpredictable in environment, right? So another Pei that I know, who I've known lo longer than you, a guy named uh, Pei Wang, a, a Chinese, Chinese uh, AI theorist who, it's a PEI Pei, not a PEY Pei, but then anyway, Wang Pei, Pei Wang, who he translated Douglas Hofstadter's book, Gordel Escher Bach, into Chinese. And that's, that's the first serious AI book I read when I was 12 or 13 years old. Pei Wang thinks about general intelligence as the ability to adapt to unpredictable conditions given limited resources. 
And I, I think this, is, in a way, is a very Chinese definition, right? Because, uh, I mean, Ch Chinese culture is all about adapting to the environment and, and, and the conditions. And that's a little bit different than the way intelligence is thought about in reinforcement learning, which is, is the one of the AI paradigms that's, that's heavily pursued by the open AIs and, and D-minds and Facebooks of the world. They're looking at AIs being more about how do you optimize the reward function? Like how, how, do you, how do you maximize the amount of goodies you'll get, you'll get in the future, however goodies may be defined for you? Pei Wang is more looking at intelligences, adapting to unpredictable conditions with limited resources. And this, this requires generalization, right? Yeah. So if you, if you have limited resources, if conditions change, you got to use the knowledge you got before and generalize from it to make a leap to something new. Another, the thing with AGI is full on, totally general intelligence appears not to be feasible within the physical universe. Right? I mean, we got, you got special relativity that limits the speed at which information can propagate quantum theory together with special relativity limits the amount of intelligence you can fit into a certain hunk of mass energy, right? So everything in the physical universe will have its limits. You can, you can get cosmic and go beyond the physical universe and say fundamentally there are no limits. But in, in, the, in the context of physical objects and energetic processes and computers and human bodies, you're not going to get to totally general intelligence. On the other hand, it's very clear you can get way further than humans, right? Like the, the human brain is by no means the most efficient use of the processing power in, in that given amount of mass energy that the brain takes up compared to what the laws of physics would permit. So just, just like humans aren't the fastest running creatures or the highest jumping creatures, we're, we're very unlikely to be the smartest thinking creatures. We're just, we're almost the minimal possible general intelligences, right? We're just barely, generally intelligent enough to realize what general intelligence is. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're one of the few creatures on earth smart enough to realize how stupid we are, right? And that's, and that, that's very big because it means that we can then put our minds to figuring out how to make ourselves smarter and smarter. So I think total maximal AGI is not achievable within the physics context, but humans are very far from that. But we're potentially the first creature on earth to realize how far we are from that and to figure out how to increase the generality of our intelligence bit by bit. So there's, there are several streams of thought in computer science and mathematics and cognitive science aimed at formalizing what does artificial general intelligence mean. There's a book, Universal AI, by Marcus Hooter that, 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 that does that. And that's had some influence on the field. I mean, Shane Legg, a young AI geek who worked for me between 98 and 2001, after he left my first AI company, WebMind, he went to do his PhD with Marcus Hooter, who wrote the book Universal AI, kind of give a math theory of AGI. Then Shane Legg went on to co-found Google DeepMind, right? So, I mean, I think the deep thinking about what is AGI has played a role in, in shaping the thinking of, of everyone in the AI field, including DeepMind, open, open, open AI, and so forth. But still, I'd say formalizing and conceptualizing in a rigorous way what AGI is, is sort of, it's going to evolve along with actually building, building AGI. I mean, just as like our notion of what energy and matter are is evolving along with learning to build new stuff and making, making new, new theories of, of, of physics. But the key thing in a practical sense is 
almost all the AI being built in industry today is what you call narrow AI. Almost all AI in industry today is like you make an AI to do one particular kind of thing in one particular context. And it's if it's, say, a neural net system, it's generally restricted to what was the exact training data set that, that, that you fed it, right? And you can then extrapolate from that training data set and not, not, not too far beyond. And narrow AI can be incredibly helpful. Narrow AIs can probably automate the majority of human jobs, although not, not 100%. But in the end, the narrow AI needs a general intelligence to set it up and tell it what to do. I mean, now these amazing robots working with Sophia, Grace, Desdemona are still reasonably sophisticated narrow AI systems. I mean, they're not yet AGIs. They may be platforms in which AGI R&D can be done and, and in which AGI will eventually emerge, but they're narrow systems, which is, is fine. I mean, and in some cases, maybe all you need, like I don't necessarily need an AGI system to help do my taxes. I don't need an AGI system to vacuum my floor. I don't necessarily need an AGI system to control an elder care elder care robot either, although although it might it might enhance function in in some regards. Well, that's really a great explanation of that because I feel like you know in our industry and a lot of other technical industries, there's a big focus on you know essentially using AI as a jargon term, and what they're speaking about is you know using a narrow AI uh, to benefit their system. So my next question is, you know, what what is the singularity? You know, at what point have you know we reached the singularity with AGI? So asking what is the singularity, is a, it's a bit like asking when does a person become an adult or something, right? So I mean, for zoom, zooming out, it can seem very rapid. Zooming mm-hmm. in, like it's not clear exactly, exactly when, when, that, when that point is reached, right? There's a lot of specific threshold events you could, you could draw on. Conceptually, the basic notion of the singularity is a point at which the rate of technological progress becomes so fast it looks essentially infinite from the human perspective. Like say, say your your mobile phone is inventing 10 new Nobel Prize worthy discoveries every second, right? I mean then then you're in a domain where you totally can't keep up. And we're we're sort of getting there now, right? I mean already I can't keep up with all the papers and new ideas on, on, on archive.org. I, I can't even keep up with all the options on my new phone, right? So I, I mean we're we're clearly in sort of the the early singularity, late pre-singularity period. But once you have AGIs that are smarter than people, that, that, then, then you get, in, you get into a, 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 whole, a whole new level, right? And I, I think that I pretty much agree with the line of argument pursued and popularized by Ray Kurzweil that many, many allied technologies are advancing exponentially and seems very likely within the next few decades will get human level and then superhuman artificial general intelligence, which will then lead to advance in basically all areas of science and, and technology at a speed that humans cannot, cannot keep up with. And this obviously will be a radical change for the better and or worse in, in, in the human condition. Yeah. Well, I mean, zooming out, you know, in the way that you describe that, it almost seems that we're already we're there. there. We're, we're there. already there. Yeah, yeah, of, of course. But on our individual life scale, still make, makes a difference. Like my mom is 78. She may die before the immortality pill comes. I'm 55. I think, I think I'll make it, but it's not as certain as, as, as for you. If nothing yeah. unlucky happens to you, you, you you'll, you'll probably make it past the singularity. You'll, 
you'll reach longevity escape velocity, meaning that you'll reach a point at which your life is extended long enough that the next innovation will come along and extend your life even longer. Within that period, the next innovation will come along and extend your life even, even longer. So you'll, you'll have a chance to uh, copy-paste your mind state into, into her, her great-granddaughter and then have, have a human pay and, and a robot pay roaming around and zooming through space and virtual worlds and so forth. Now, I'm in pretty decent health. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'll probably make it too, but I mean, for I me, do. yeah, me too. <laughs> and if, 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 if not, I'm signed up for cryopreservation. So I'm, I'm hoping one of my kids will, will defrost me after the, after the singularity and the, then we can, we can party. You join us. Yeah, 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 yeah ex ex exactly. But I think, you know, the singularity, Full on, like the the main inflection point when you when you get human level to superhuman AGI, could it come in five or seven years? It, it really could if we're successful what, with what we're doing with Omicad Hyperon on Singularity Net platform. It's not unthinkable. Could it be thirty more years from now? Also not unthinkable. Science sometimes hits you know annoying obstacles, and you got you got to battle your way through them. I don't think it's like five hundred years from now or something, though. I mean, I mean, I think in the historical time scale, we're we're pretty damn close. And you know, you don't need every aspect of technology to be to be advancing all that fast for that for that to happen. You just you just need the key ones like computer hardware, com com computer software, sens sensors, actuators. Networking, and we we're seeing consistent exponential advance in all those core technologies underlying AI infrastructure. Yeah. So this is a bit uh, of a lighthearted question. I'm curious on you know how you met Charles and you know decided to you know venture into the Cardano ecosystem. Ah, uh, so I I got interested in Cardano initially just because of the use of the Haskell programming language, actually, because I've been. As, as we mentioned in, in our previous uh, online podcast encounter, I mean, I've been programming Haskell since 93, before GHC, before that monads, like it was really like raw basic Haskell. And I was attracted to pure functional programming, both because I like math and it's more mathematical than, than imperative or procedural programming, but also because really of singularitarian thinking, like you'd like to do formal verification, formal program synthesis on, on, on the code underlying your, your AGI, meaning you'd like to be able to check using a mathematical theorem prover that your AGI is doing what you want it to, right? And doing what it thinks it's doing. And you can do that with a pure function language like Haskell far easier than with a typical imperative programming language. And so that, that was part of my attraction to Haskell in the beginning. I'm like, well, eventually what I do may lead to a superhuman thinking machine. Don't we want that superhuman thinking machine to be built on a decent programming language foundation, on the foundation of a language where you can use math to verify that the system is doing what it's supposed to do, right? So when I, when I saw there's a blockchain project using Haskell, I'm like, well, these guys evidently have their heads screwed on in, 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 in the right, in the right direction. Cause they, they realize that if you're really going to build an infrastructure that manages all of the planet's money and all of the plants of data and our, our genomes and so forth, you want this to be programmed in a way that is susceptible to formal verification and formal analysis. And that's likely to actually be secure. Like when you code Haskell, you can often get literally no bugs in your software, right? That never happens in C plus and C plus plus, which is is a great language for some purposes. It certainly doesn't happen for complex solidity code, right? So that 
That is what made me dig into Haskell in the first place. And I saw, in fact, whoa, well, they they did, in fact, apply formal verification to Ouroboros consensus algorithm, right? Which was 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 the right thing to do. Although they don't yet have formal verification applied to all the Plutus smart contracts out there, which I would I would like to see to see more, more attention put on, particularly in DeFi is a case where you'd like to have formal mathematical verification that all the software is really doing what it was what it was supposed to do. But at least with the Cardano infrastructure, I mean you've got you've got a tract you've got a tractable way way to do that. So then looking up Charles and, and seeing his various interests, I, I saw not not surprisingly, the guy who would launch the blockchain project on Cardano also had a whole lot of other interests in, in common with me. I mean, he's interested in, in AI, in, in mathematics, in, in biology of, of, of longevity. And like many people in the crypto ecosystem, we're, we're also interested in sort of more, more fundamentally fair and democratic political structures also. Although mm-hmm. I think Charles is, he's a little more of a pure political libertarian, whereas I'm, I'm more of an anarcho-socialist libertarian or something, but at least at least we, 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 we both are in love with the potential of blockchain-based networks to, to radicalize and democratize governance as, as well as money, AI, and all sorts of other software processes. And overall, since getting more into the Cardano community, I've really found it to be the only sizable cryptocurrency community that is dedicated to sort of broader humanitarian and technological goals more more, more so than to a pursuit of a crypto degenitude right i mean there there's many there are many good blockchains out, out, out there now besides cardano i mean there's a new generation of faster cheaper blockchains that that are are much better architected than, than Ethereum and have much more modern tools than Bitcoin, right? So there, there's at least a dozen quality blockchains out, out, out there now, which you could use to build DeFi and other applications on them. They'll work, they'll work better than, than Solidity. They're faster and cheaper. But I, I, I can't think of another large-scale blockchain that, that's being pursued, you know, fundamentally with, with the view of transforming the world for the better and not just fundamentally with the view of enriching this this or that party right and i think charles has spent a lot of his thought cycles on how to better the world using using cardano and there's a lot of people with that mindset in the cardano community which is i guess because they've been drawn to that that aspect of, of Charles's own personality, right? And I think yeah. I think that that's a big asset, right? Because for any any decentralized network, the code is one thing, but without a, an outstanding community to keep developing that code in a decentralized way, then you're not going to get the sort of decentralized network that that you want. Yeah, it's it's surprising to me how much value you know his consistent video content and AMAs has had in yeah. setting that ideology in the community over time. Uh, in our last podcast, you know, we talked about the ERC twenty converter, uh, which is now really the the you know Singularity Net uh, ecosystem converter that's recently been released. You know, you can now have 
your AGIX tokens and you know your new net tokens on the Cardano blockchain. Uh, can you talk about you know your experience with the uh, the AGIX converter and uh, you know really how that came to be and uh, you know maybe also any technical complexities that you ran into as well? Yeah, I mean we we decided quite some time ago, really in mid to late 2020, we decided the right path for SingularityNet would be to make AGIX token multi-chain rather than Ethereum blockchain only. Mm -hmm. And then to put the bulk of our focus on the Cardano version of, of the AGIX token and putting our whole SingularityNet platform on, onto Cardano, right? And I mean, the reason reasons for that will be well known to all followers of, of your podcast, right? I mean, it's 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 among the new crop of faster and cheaper blockchains, and it seemed that you know the way Charles's head is oriented and, and the Cardano community is oriented, it seemed like Cardano was going to continue to grow in a direction that that, that was supportive of, of Singularity Net's aim of creating beneficial, decentralized, artificial, general intelligence. Now, porting Singularity Net platform to Cardano is going to happen in multiple stages. And I mean, to be honest, in late 2020, I thought we were going to be way more advanced by now. Like, I, I thought we were going to make the token converter in early 2021. And that by the end of 2021, we would have ported the full Singularity, plat Singularity Net platform to Cardano, right? Now, often in the world of uh, R&D and in version one software development, things go a little slower than, than, than you would like. So, yeah. And the converter back and forth between the Ethereum and Cardano versions of AGIX token, I mean, this is fundamentally a very simple piece of software, right? I mean, it's converting one currency to another using using a, a given a given conversion rate. Now, now, of course, you have to do this sort of thing very carefully because there's potentially very large sums of money involved. You don't want a mistake. You, 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 don't, you, don't, you don't want to hack, right? And that's really where you hear of the biggest problems in our industry is with the bridges, you know, from the conversions of tokens across chains is, uh, you know, there'll be a smart contract that holds a lot of those tokens and there's not really a burning function there. So all of those tokens will sit in a contract on Ethereum and then someone will come in and exploit that. Yeah, so we, I mean, we did a community vote in SingularityNet community to get permission and support for hard forking the Ethereum AGIX token so it's mintable and burnable, mm -hmm. which, which was to support the function of the, of the converter. And then the Ethereum smart contracts to go from AGIX and Ethereum to AGIX on, on Cardano were written quite quickly by, by SingularityNet's blockchain team. What made the converter take a long time was really the other way around. It was just because Plutus wasn't mature yet, right? So we, at first, working together with the IOG team, who were great guys to work with, at first working with the IOG team, we were working on a sort of shortcut centralized solution where either Singularity or IOG would host an application that then that then did the, did the conversion from the ADA version to the Ethereum version of AGIX token. And then, you know, we looked at that and we, we just didn't like it. We're like, okay, hold on, Plutus is almost ready for this. Why don't we just release it, decentralize and do it right? So we decided to eat a little more delay and we released a Plutus version of the converter once, once Plutus was ready. And that's, 
know, it, it's more secure and it's philosophically the way, the, the way it should be done. So I'm, I'm happy to have launched it the right way. And now, now we have AGIX tokens on both blockchains. We don't yet have a full version of the Singularity Net decentralized AI protocol and platform on, on Cardano. And digging into the right way to do that, it's totally using the Hydra Head protocol. So, I mean, Hydra being a, a side chain slash cross chain interface to the Cardano main chain, which is quite sophisticated and in a way lets you run Plutus smart contracts that manipulate variables on, 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 the, on the side chain or on a farm blockchain, right? So, so the Hydra Head protocol will be the first part of Hydra to be released. It takes a set of, of nodes or agents that are assumed to be reasonably powerful and online most of the time and lets them interface using Plutus with the Cardano, with the Cardano main chain. And that's very much like the multiple state channels and multi-party escrow contracts inside the SingularityNet platform now. So pretty much we're waiting for enough of Hydra to be available and released to port SingularityNet platform in the in the fullest way we would like to. We've been musing about whether to do an earlier port in this sort of less fully compelling way, like use use Mambo to make the the EVM version of SingularityNet interact better with Cardano, or I mean port from Ethereum to Polygon, which is very easy, and you use Milkamida to go back and forth. So these these would sort of be stopgaps. They could be interesting. But until you've replaced the solidity with Plutus contracts, which will require Hydra to do it to do it right, I mean then you're not getting the full advantage out of Cardano. But another thing we got out of plunging deep into how Cardano works is realizing that as great as it is, we need something that's even better in, in some ways to milk everything out of out of Singularity Net. So we looked at can we design our own Cardano sidechain? interfacing with the main chain using the Cardano head and tail protocol. Can we design our own Cardano sidechain whose operation is customized for the needs of decentralized AI and will let us run you know, a huge decentralized AI network very fast and cheap by having consensus mechanisms that are, that are tailored to the fact that, that this is a sub-network of decentralized AIs. And that this, this is what led us to hypercycle, right? Which is, is a Cardano sidechain using Hydra head and tail protocol to interface with Cardano main chain, but it doesn't use Ouroboros, it, do, it doesn't use any of the standard Cardano consensus mechanisms. It uses Toda, which is a ledgerless blockchain, which is the most disruptive thing in the history of blockchain since, uh, probably since smart contracts, right? I mean, so yeah. it uses Toda ledgerless blockchain combined with proof of reputation which lets agents build up reputation and then you, you, you use that in place of stake or, 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 or proof of work. So by, by putting together the total ledgerless blockchain with proof of reputation in a network that inter, interacts with Cardano main chain using Hydra head and tail protocol, I mean, then, then, then you get something that will allow SingularityNet AI network to scale scale up enough to meet the needs of like a human level general intelligence or or five or ten percent or hundred percent of the of the the world's ai processing needs or something and while 
Hypercycle goes beyond Cardano in some ways, because Toda gets rid of the ledger and blockchain, which is a new thing. On the other hand, without Cardano, it will be so much more work to do, right? Because Toda doesn't have a smart contract language. So we, we, we want to use Plutus, which matches so naturally with extended UTXO model, and using that and connecting it with with Toda is is, is really the really the magic here. And you you need so you need Plutus, right? And there's nothing else like it in, in in the blockchain field. You know, one thing that I didn't know that you mentioned there that you know is is really taught me a lot in one sentence is this idea that with Hydra, you can write a Plutus smart contract and reference you know another chain and actually you know give action to another chain by yeah. writing a, a contract on layer one. Uh, that's that's uh, that's pretty crazy to me. It's uh, cool. I'm, Mambo doesn't do that, as far as I understand. Milkameda certainly doesn't do that. So the, these these are, in a way, a more surface level back and forth between two blockchains, which in many cases is easier, right? Because, I mean, if you have an EVM application, you may not want to rewrite it to interface at the at the intimate level with, with, with Plutus smart contracts, right? But on the other end, if you're willing, if you're willing to write some more custom code, I mean, then you can get a really intimate interoperation between your code either running on another chain or your code running on a side chain and stuff running on code on the main chain. And that's, I don't know of any other sort of interfacing protocol for another blockchain that is as sophisticated as, as Hydra. It'll be very hard to do with an accounts-based model like Ethereum or many other blockchains has. It really, really leverage. Hydra, just like Plutus, leverages the uh, underlying elegance of the extended UTXO model quite well. Yeah. So speaking on the uh, the Ajax converter a little more, is this you know you mentioned that you guys use Plutus and you you know you used uh, a decentralized way of doing it. Uh, is this open source? Can other projects it is open actually source? Use anyone, this? anyone can fork it, modify it, and use it for their own tokens. Yeah, I mean, what we're going to use it. For every token coming out of the Singularity Net ecosystem, so yeah, it's 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 open source. And essentially, the way that works is you have a contract on Ethereum, you know, that recognizes the amount of you know Ajix. That's true. Yeah. So the Ethereum bit is Solidity, and that goes Ethereum to ADA. Then the and a lot of people could write that anyway, and it's fairly straightforward Solidity code. Yeah. Then the the Plutus bit is what's going from ADA back to back to Ethereum, and that's Still not very hard, but it's a little a little more yeah. uh, recondite just because Plutus is less well known than Solidity. How are they connected? You know, let's say I send you know ten Ajax tokens over. How does the Plutus contract actually get that data from Ethereum to then mint the token? I mean, it just reads reads a file. I mean, there's there's not there's nothing actually. The Haskell involved in in Plutus. Smart contract scripting is very, very simple. Any programmer can do it. Hmm. So what's really hard about Plutus smart contract programming is people aren't used to extended UTXO, and there are very few library libraries giving you support relative to Solidity. Actually, the Haskell turns out it's kind of the main thing for the underlying guts of the Cardano platform, but for smart contract scripting. The use of Haskell is really not that sophisticated and not that big a deal, but I can see it's being a psychological obstacle to, to many blockchain developers now. Yeah, I've definitely seen that myself. <laughs> yeah, but once they plunge into it, they see, well, wait a minute, the, this, the fragment of Haskell used for these smart contracts is very simple. But actually, this other part is really hard. Like, I have to write my own libraries, right? Yeah. <laughs>
you know, before we actually turn the cameras on, you mentioned some of the security issues with the account slash balance model that Ethereum uses. What are those, you know, security issues with the account slash balance model? Well, there, there are security issues with Solidity as a programming language, first of all. I mean, it's an imperative language. It's frankly not the best designed <coughs> imperative language out there. So, I mean, you, you could have many cases in Solidity where you have a bunch of code carrying out a function and you add, an, add a new subroutine there and then that creates some vulnerability in, in, in your other code, right? Because, I mean, it, code is not modularized the way it is in a functional programming language like, like Haskell. You, you have shared variables among different subroutines, which means you, you're much more likely to get unintended consequences. And that's, that's not really about account-based model. That, that's just about use of a hastily designed imperative language for, for programming. Now, with the account-based model, as it's implemented in, in Ethereum, you have a whole lot of weird things going on, right? So, I mean, what one example that you see now is for DeFi on Ethereum. The miners who own the Ethereum nodes front-run the trades, right? So, like, you're doing a DeFi trade, and to confirm to confirm the Ethereum transactions involved involved in the trade, some some Ethereum node needs to work to confirm the transaction. But then they see aspects of the trade that you're doing. They see like who you're trading with and so forth. Then they use that information to front to front run your trade so that you lose you lose money because they they pay more gas than, than, than you did, right? And so this this will be much harder to do with the Cardano uh, ex extended U U U T UTXO model. I mean the 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 vulnerability to that sort of behavior is. I mean, indirectly, it's it's, it's be because of the of the account based model. It, I mean, it, it's because everything you do is like put in this replicated accounting ledger that that that, every, that everyone sees, right? And of course, in Cardano, everything is ultimately put in the blockchain, also. But the metadata is more like buried inside inside the inside the transaction, and then so there, there's a group Ikigai that's trying to extend that. You should interview those guys, actually. So what they're doing, they're building a system that if there's too much metadata to go in to go into the extended UTXO transaction, you just have a hash to that metadata stored in, in Flurry, which is an immutable database, right? So so there is a whole cool ecosystem of tooling emerging around the extended UTXO model. But the nature of this tooling is that everything that possibly can be kept secure and obscure is done so, which makes it much harder to to do things like front front run other other people's trades. And I mean if you look at the code inside Uniswap, if you, I mean if you look at the code in, in, in inside a a DEX on on Ethereum, I mean you you, you see it's uh, it's very nasty and there, there's there's bound to be loads and loads of, of, of bugs in there, which is because getting getting the account-based model to handle these sorts of secure, privacy-based, decentralized transactions is quite hard. People have to use a lot of weird hacks. But I mean, this would get, would get super technical. I also would say something like hypercycle, you couldn't do on, on an accounts-based model because the nature of TODA, which is fully decentralized with no ledger, so like each participant 
contains miracle trees recording their own history and the history of many of their neighbors. But there's no centralized ledger, right? It's just like on each of their phones, we have our own address book and our call log. No one needs to have the address book and call log of everybody in the world, right? Yeah. If you want some security against losing my phone, I could, I could store an encrypted version of the call logs of all my friends and their friends' friends. They'll provide some security against losing the phone. But you still don't need like a replicated backup of everybody's of everybody. call log and address book. What, what Ethereum and also Cardano does, I mean, it, it has that replicated log of everybody's transaction, which is very slow because you got to update this thing all the time. What, what Toda does is more like you got your own log, you have encrypted versions of others' logs. So just because I have an encrypted version of your log doesn't mean I can read it, right? But mm-hmm. it means when you need it, you could grab it off my phone or, or your other friend's phones, right? But, but this sort of fuller decentralization that we get in hypercycle due to the u- use of, of Toda, you couldn't interoperate it with an accounts-based model very well, because the extended UTXO model encapsulates more information in an encrypted way within within the the metadata packet associated with each transaction. I mean, then then you can use Hydra to to interface with a system like Toda that, that decentralizes even even more fully. Yeah, one one of the things I realized when researching the hypercycle design was how beautifully extended UTXO matches with a functional language like like Haskell because. The extended UTXO is, is is all about, in a purely functional way, like packaging up everything you need for the transaction, putting it in the packet, sending it, then sending it out the other end. Like there's, it's side effect free inside that transaction. And functional programming languages are all about invoking functions without having side effects in, in, inside the function. Right now, the ledger in the in the accounts based model. Everything is done by side effects, right? I mean, the side effect is writing to that ledger, then you write to the, le- write to the ledger again. So, I mean, just like in a, in a Fortran program where you have all these global variables, everything, everything is, is, is what you would call side effects in a functional programming sense. So it's really quite elegant the way Charles and his research team worked out the magnet from extended UTXO into the, uh, the encapsulation that happens inside a functional language like, like Haskell. I mean, Anyone who's dug into the plumbing of Cardano realizes this. You don't have to get at that level to do smart contract programming. And certainly the various crypto uh, wise asses out there on the Internet who, who, who are like, well, Cardano was left behind by Avalanche and Solana and so forth. They're, they're not looking at how the fundamental infrastructure of, of Cardano is designed in a very beautiful and, and solid way, which you're you're not getting by forking the EVM and running it on a smaller network. To get, yeah, it's to faster. Get, to get to get yeah yeah my network has fewer people on it, so it's faster. Yeah, yeah I'm a genius, mm-hmm. or at least I'm a billionaire, right? Yeah. Um, I really want to dive more into hypercycle. You know, I'm still trying to figure this out myself. Specifically, you know, how Hydra you know would interact with uh, hypercycle. So. You know, Hypercycle is a layer two on Cardano yeah. that interacts with Toda. So how how does that interaction it's really, work? I would, I, I would almost think of it as a layer 1.5. Okay. I mean, la- layer two, of course, is not a precisely defi- defined term. Mm-hmm. So we within the Hypercycle network, we have our own decentralized consensus based, based on, on Toda and, and, and proof of reputation. And you can do a lot of stuff 
in hypercircle without ever thinking about Card- Cardano main chain. But we're using Cardano main chain as a sort of stable, persistent, long-term memory. You can think about it like writing from RAM into disk or something, right? Because mm-hmm. if you know that long-term memory backup is there, you can be even more fast and loose on the on, on, on the hypercycle side. Like you could within hypercycle, you could run hypercycle in a mode that stored everything in a ledger and was very long-term reliable. Because the way hypercycle works, you have a bunch of hypercycle nodes that each has their own history and does their own thing and their own identity. Then the nodes can group together in what's called a ring and each ring can have its own consensus mechanism, right? Mm. So part of what we do is we design consensus mechanisms that can be very fast and loose. They may have weaker security guarantees, but they get things done really quickly. So a question you could ask about a ring of nodes is like, do you care if a small fraud occurs and you notice it only five minutes later after the fraud happened, right? If you don't care, you can do consensus in much faster and cheaper ways. Now, sometimes you don't care. Like if it's a micropayments network, you don't care. Visa, the MasterCard don't care, right? Yeah. They let small frauds occur. If they happen, the bank just covers it, right? Mm-hmm. That, that lets them be faster and cheaper. For most of the messaging within an AI mind, you don't care either. Like they're using the blockchain for transactions of thoughts and ideas and data within an AI. If someone hacks in there and there's some bullshit thoughts and ideas going on, you notice that five minutes later, okay, you have to roll back and undo some thinking the AI did. It's not the, not the end of the world, right? So if you have a, if you have a situation like that, in, in hypersocial, you can use a faster and looser consensus mechanism, which will let things be very cheap and scalable. Now, if you're sending a trillion dollars, you don't want to fast and lose consensus mechanism, right? Mm. So then you could build within hypercycle a very, very certain, secure, and sophisticated consensus mechanism. We didn't have a need to bother because transactions like that just require Cardano. Just, so just use the layer send one. That, send that to the layer one, right? Mm. And then similar with long-term memory, we're okay with accepting a minor risk that a bunch of hypercycle nodes might go offline and then you lose some memory from what was there because we're backing stuff up periodically on the Cardano main chain. So you're not, you're not going to lose that much, right? So that, that's like if, if you had no hard drive, you might have to maintain 100 computers with your data in RAM concurrently in case one goes down. If you know you're backing up periodically to the hard drive, you, know, you can just run one computer and you just eat the fact that very rarely your RAM might die and you would, you would lose the last few things you did, right? So Cardano main chain, we're relying on it to have a super secure, flawless consensus mechanism and to maintain memory forever. Because it has those properties, it's slower and more expensive than, 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 than hypercycle is, right? So that's, uh, we're sort of viewing Cardano as the absolutely guaranteed and the eternal long-term memory layer for, for, for hypercycle. And then the fast and loose processing gets, gets done within, within hypercycle. And Hydra is what lets you have a clean interfacing between, between those, those two things where you can, you can share state. We will need, however, the Hydra tail protocol. And Hydra head protocol under active development, not that far from being done. I mean, it needs, needs a little more development, a bunch of debugging and, and testing and, and so forth. Hydra tail protocol is mostly in the, in, the, in the design phase now. And we may end up building a customized Hydra tail protocol just for hypercycle, mm-hmm. which then might be, 
But sort of like the converter, right? We build the converter for us, but others in the end can fork and use, use it. it. Yeah. If we build a customized hydro tail protocol for singularity net, then I mean, in the end, it may mm -hmm. be it may, so, it, may, it may be usable by by others because hydro head protocol is for nodes that are powerful computers that are online all the time, and in hypercycle we'll have some nodes like that, but we'll have, we may have some some that are much weaker and that are, are offline much of the time. And we still want them to be able to coordinate their polluted smart contracts with those running on main chain. For that, you need Hydra Tail. So like that, the new net spinoff of Singularity Net that, that did a token sale last fall and is, is now in the process also, according to Cardano. I mean, that lets you run Singularity Net and other AI processes on any device, right? So you can run it on, run it on your mobile phone, run it on spare cycles and on, on your laptop, right? So we, we, want, we want nodes like that to be able to run Singularity Net AI nodes running on Hypercycle and still interact with Cardano main chain. And for that, we need Hydra Tail protocol. And we're, yeah. we're engaged in some in-depth discussions with the Hydra team within IOG on, on how to best address that. Mm -hmm. So to, to dive a little more into that, you know, the Hydra head versus the Hydra tail, one thing that you mentioned is that, you know, with Hydra tail, you can have, you know, less resource consumption. What are the other differences between the Hydra head how often you're, and how, Hydra tail? I mean, really Hydra tail is intended to deal with nodes that are not consistently online. Because with the Hydra head in its current form, you're pretty much assuming all the guys in the Hydra head are there to participate in consensus. Yeah. And so if, if you have a guys who are offline a bunch of the time, you can't guarantee they all be there to participate in, 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 in consensus, right? So that's a, that, that's a f fairly, fairly big difference. I mean, it means you need, you need a quite different approach to consensus. And consensus is not, is probably about shared state, right? So how do you, how do you confirm that this really does go into the shared state in the side chain. You can't have it be everyone in the side chain agree, agrees to that, right? I yeah. Mean, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I did take some viewer questions. One of the biggest one uh, questions that I had was about the AGIX staking on Cardano specifically. Uh, you know, what is AGIX staking going to look like on Cardano? Uh, whether that be, you know, you take the IG, AGIX token and put it into a contract and then you're earning rewards from that contract. Uh, or will people be able to stake directly from their wallet? Uh, and then also win AGIX staking as well. Yeah, I'm, uh, w w w one thing I've learned from Charles is not to unnecessarily pin yourself down to precise dates. Yeah. So, so uh, <laughs> certainly that can come significantly before a full, a full part of the platform. It, do it doesn't need Hydra. So mm -hmm. that, 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 that should come re re relatively soon. And yeah, we're, We've been thinking about giving some interesting rewards for staking. So maybe not just giving tokens reward, but giving some some derivatives built off AGIX ADA, ADA as, as as rewards. And so to sort of use staking to see that uh, altcoin Cardano native asset derivative ecosystem, which can then play into some of the AI DeFi stuff we're do, we're, do, we're doing with, with Singularity DAO. So I mean, I, I've been. I've been engaged with it from that standpoint, like playing with some simulations of how will the ecosystem work yeah. with options of various sorts given among the staking rewards, which so I think, because I think, you know, while derivatives and options are used in, in an abusive way in Wall Street many times, they also do have a valid function for, for stabilizing a, a, t a tokenomic ecosystem. And there's, there's an opportunity for Cardano to leapfrog, leapfrog 
beyond the ERC-20 ecosystem by putting into place sophisticated derivatives and, and options on, on canonative assets. And we, we may use may use staking of AGIX ADA to help get started with that. So I, I've been engaged with that. I haven't been engaged so much with, with, with the wallet integration. I mean, I've seen, mm-hmm. we've been fighting with some peculiar bugs in, in the Yorori wallet and, and the other Cardano wallets. I mean, I think these things are, are ra- rapidly rap- rapidly evolving, but I wouldn't want to commit regarding what wallet functions will be fully functional yeah. at which point in time. Yeah, we all uh, we all use Eternal Wallet now. We've migrated uh, from Euroi to Eternal. That's the uh, yeah. The maybe main... may, maybe I should do that. Yeah, we're having yeah. like not nothing really fatal or anything, but like of course trans- transferring between your right wallet and one machine to another is is more complicated that, that, that it needs to be right yeah. whereas, whereas what 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 we need of course is for cardano to be 10 times easier than than, than using using the ethereum ecosystem and i think i think we can get there we can get there with, within a year or so i mean the functional programming framework gives you the basis to to make things much easier and, and, and simpler to use than, than MetaMask and so forth. Mm-hmm. But clearly the yeah, y- y- usability still needs some work. Yeah, so I um I want to talk about Jam Galaxy. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. You know, initially I thought Jam Galaxy was a band, you know, with an AI humanoid robot that's yeah. Demona. And you know, after getting here last night and seeing the live performance, we talked a little more afterwards and Jam Galaxy is a lot more. Uh, yeah, that, than yeah just that's a not band. where it, that's not where it started. And I think uh, I think you're going to talk tomorrow to Diane, who's running Jam Galaxy. Yeah, she yeah. Can, she can dig into everything. But you know, where Jam Galaxy started was really I I relocated from Hong Kong here to the to the Puget Sound in early 2020, partly because of the political shifts in Hong Kong were not to my maximal liking. Probably because it seemed like Hong Kong's COVID management was going to get more and more annoying, which has totally happened. So I, I moved here to uh, Vashon Island near Seattle, where my, my mom and sister have lived for some time. So we're raising two kids in this sort of a left-wing Beverly Hillbillies type of setting. Right? Yeah. Like extended family farms, uh, pigs, cows, chickens, wallabies, and llamas, and the perfect place to build superhuman AGI, right? Yeah. And, so I was talking to my brother-in-law, Tony Mann, who's our other keyboardist in Gem Galaxy Band now. And he, he's been a software developer for decades. He's also a very talented rock musician who's been bouncing in and out of various bands. We were talking about using AI for music. So just training machine learning models to implement my keyboard playing or Steve Vai's guitar playing. And we started playing around with this together with Singularity Net's AI team. One of the things we ran into is we wanted more and better training data. So particularly, we wanted training data consisting of like the raw recordings that bands had made before mixdown. Like, so when a band plays in the studio, what every musician individually plays is recorded. Then when you make a final recording, you're 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 mixing that down into one one audio file, right? So what we want is, among other things, we would like the raw stems that musicians recorded in the studio. That saves you the trouble of splitting out the splitting out what each musician played. I mean, we, we have a, a song splitter app on Singularity Net platform, actually. Mm-hmm. But right now what it does is splits vocals from the rest because we weren't getting re- reliable enough results for like splitting guitar from keyboard or something, right? So yeah. we wanted to get the split out tracks. And then we're like, okay, 
one of the many obstacles to getting machine learning to really do music, because we, we wanted to get AI models that could jam in a band with us as well and better than the human musician, right? I mean, AIs for music composition is cool too. And maybe AIs can write better hit songs than everyone else. What interested us as musicians was more participating in like having an AI musician jam along with us just because like, what would it be like to play a riff, have an AI echo back with something it came up with, then you play back like riffing off what the AI did, it would just be super cool, right? Yeah. And so one of the obstacles to getting the AI model, we did a little of that, the AI models were a little too cliche for us, like they're just kind of ripping off too transparently the data they were training on, which could just mean you need AGI, where the AI will generalize further beyond its training data. But I think you could do better even without AGI if you had more training data to feed the music models. Mm -hmm. So then we started thinking, well, how do we get more training data? Well, we get musicians to give us their, their, their pre-mixed tracks. Why do musicians want to, get, want to give it to us? Well, we could ask them to give it to us because they like us. That would work, actually. On the other hand, what if you made a tokenomic incentive model that would give musicians liquid tokens in, in, in exchange for contributing their data to the musical AI comedy? They've just got their data sitting around anyway. It's just the trouble of extracting it from Pro Tools or something and uploading it, right? Give them some tokens for it. They'll be, ha they'll be happy, happy to do that. And then we start talking to Diane Krauss, who has been a personal friend of myself and Tony for a long time and is also one of the world's most amazing saxophone players. Right? Mm -hmm. and so I can confirm. She's that. great. Yeah. She's great. And we start talking to her. And, you know, she'd done some AI development in the past too. She'd done some marketing in the past. She quickly wrapped her brain around all the different ways that tokenomics could revolutionize the music industry, right? And so that then... Then our conversation shifted from just doing AI to train models on, on music data to make AI musicians to making a tokenomic ecosystem that will not only incentivize musicians to put their training data in, into sort of an, an AI mu music commons, but you know, that, that would help with other problems in the music industry. Like how the hell do musicians who aren't superstars make any money, right? Because Music fans are a great untapped source of enthusiasm. Think about if you if you turn the fan club of every musician into a token pumping club for that that musician's crypto tokens, then then they can help that musician to make tokens and NFTs for their music or utility tokens connoting their band. I mean, you, you, the the fans of that band can be helping to pump that token in the broader world, and they're also promoting that 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 band in the world, the fans get some reward tokens, so they're getting paid in, in a way for their efforts without their band having to give them USD, right? So, I mean, it seemed like there's a lot there, even going beyond our original idea to incentivize contribution of, of data to feed AI. I mean, that, 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 that can be part of it. And that, that led to the whole Jam, Jam Galaxy blockchain project and, and, and tokenization model, which will then leverage SingularityNet you know, for the AI that is used to train models based on data that, that's contributed and will leverage Cardano for the NFTs and, and, and the utility tokens that, that are leveraged to make it, it, its music ecosystem. But while, while we were getting together scheming on that, because we're all musicians, we, Dan, Tony, and I were also jamming music together. And I discovered to my amazement that Gabriel Axel, who had been working for SingularityNet for a while, helping with human resources, and who I knew as a neuroscientist, because he had a neuroscience PhD, we're actually working on a book together called The Consciousness Explosion about how 
singularity will come out better if human beings advance their consciousness along, along with the advance of intelligence of, of machines. So I knew Gabriel from all these other things, and he's also building an app called Pathform on SingularityNet, which is a SingularityNet AI-driven meditation and consciousness app. So I discovered that Gabriel is also an insanely great metal guitarist and jazz guitarist, right? So <laughs> yeah. he, 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 he wasn't here for this jam session that, that you saw yesterday, mm-hmm. but he'll, he'll, he'll be here next week, actually. Yeah. And he'll, he'll be at the, the NAM, NAM uh, festival where, mm-hmm. where Jam Galaxy is performing for a large audience. So we, we started jamming together on music. Our original idea was we want to have AI musicians join our band. They, they will, they probably will buy Rare Bloom when Gem Galaxy band, band performs, actually. But right now, I'm not happy enough with the AI, AI musicians. They're, they're okay, but they're not as good as the humans yet, right? And they need more data as well. Yeah, I think they, they need more data. And we're also improving the transformer neural nets, putting more hardware in our network. But I realized our AI neural net models are already pretty good at coming up with uh, really cool stuff, stuff to say. Mm-hmm. So I decided... Place to start. Let's start with a with a robot doing some spoken word AI generated poetry and sort of doing the robot with it, with, with, with with her with her body while she while she recites and mm-hmm. uh, and that's Desdemona. That's De- that's Desdemona. That's Grace and Sophia's a crazy little sister. We've also got some machine learning models for scat singing, actually, which we we haven't tried publicly yet. But so we got and so on. So so we we have the robot singing in in that vein, yeah, already. Which maybe if we're lucky, we'll get that working well enough for primetime by by Rare Bloom. Also, yeah. so mm-hmm. we're sort of the band is is for fun primarily. Fun is important, right? It's for for promotion of Jam Galaxy and the whole Singularity Net ecosystem, but it's also an experimenting ground for trying out trying out different AI meets meets music music tools. And I think for promoting Jam Galaxy as a tokenized music project, it's important that we're coming to musicians as, as musicians. Right? Musicians have been ripped off by assholes in suits, like since since suits were were, were, were invented, right? And, most musicians don't know much about the crypto economy and they're generally mistrustful of people where money is their, their primary motivation because they've been ripped off by them since forever. So we're really coming to the music community as a bunch of crazy ass musicians who are playing music ourselves. And, you know, the musicians in the Jam Galaxy band are a couple professional musicians and a couple people who are semi-pro musicians because they had kids in houses and like needed real jobs. So they're, they're playing in bands, but they're also working as like marketing professionals or software developers because making music doesn't make money, right? So, yeah. I mean, these are people who, they get things from the musician's point of view and we're trying to roll things out really in a way that will benefit musicians and lead to the creation of more and more awesome, awesome music, music in the world rather than coming from a sort of a, Explosive place. Like if if you look at say Born Ape or something, and I don't want to put them down. It, it's 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 very cool. It's very funny what they've done, but the artists who created the Born Ape apes are not the primary beneficiaries, right? I mean, this is this is not an ape token and all that. I mean, it's not a scam or a fraud. It's it's, it's a real thing. People are getting into it for fun. That's f- fun is fun. It's cool. On the other hand, it's not like being created to benefit visual artists who aren't making any money, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's to benefit business people and crypto geeks 
leveraging the work of cartoonists who are very small players in it, right? So we're aiming to do something that's not like that. We're aiming to do something that's ground up, made by musicians to ben- to benefit musicians. And I think mm-hmm. this fits very well with a sort of mentality and vibe of the Cardano ecosystem. The, the other thing that brought me and Charles together that I didn't mention, by the way, is you know we both had AI, we both had advanced software development labs in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. So I've had an AI office in Ethiopia since 2014, ICOG Lab, which now is working mainly with Singularity Net. Charles, you know, he had an initiative through IOG to train 100 Ethiopian female programmers in in Haskell and and, Mm -hmm. and in Plutus, right? So turned out he he poached a bunch of our developers without knowing that's what he was doing, right? Because they were like, well, programming AI for Ben is kind of cool, but being being trained to do Haskell development might be even cooler. Yeah, with the chance of a job at the end yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, now, now we're working together anyway, so yeah. it's like it's all, 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 all in the family. If you have a tokenomic incentive model and fans of those African musicians are in U.S. or Western Europe and they're helping pump the tokens of those African musicians, I mean, then, then you have you have a whole new way to bridge you know, national boundaries to overcome issues with currency exchange out, out, out of Africa. I mean, it's, uh, and you're also then pulling the African musicians into the AI world and, and the, the advanced technology ecosystem in a way that would not, would not happen in, in the normal course of things. Yeah, I would definitely say the uh, Jam Galaxy team is much more attractive to the average, you know, musician say than a bunch of guys in suits walking up and saying we're building this you know token incentive platform yeah definitely because the musicians aren't going to take the time to wrap around wrap their brains around how the token incentive platform works it's going to go like so much in the world i mean it's it's by vibe and and and, and personal trust right and that's exactly that's a lot of why the cardano ecosystem is succeeding in the ways it is also i mean it, it has a very warm sort of compassionate and open open vibe to it which is quite quite different than many other projects in the crypto space yeah how can you know people that are just figuring out about singularity net you know join the ecosystem and perhaps build in the ecosystem yeah i mean the the web is the beginning uh for getting getting into it so go to singularitynet.ai and you can see how to join our newsletter you can you can join our, our groups in the telegram uh Discord, email list, Twitter, LinkedIn, blah, blah, blah. And then once you're in there, you can connect with various people in the ecosystem. I mean, there are Telegram groups and Discord just for, just for developers and, and for, uh, for those who, who wish to help by, uh, by helping with social media act- activism and so forth. So there's a pretty big on- online community and a bunch of active volunteers who, who are, uh, are, helping you figure out how to help out. We, we also have a program called Deep Funding, which is sort of like Cardano's Catalyst program. We just just closed one round of that. We gave out around a million USD worth of AGIX tokens to community projects based on community vote. And we'll be, we'll be scaling that up going forward. So that's, that's a way you can even get paid to develop decentralized mm-hmm. AI on the Singularity Net ecosystem. Yeah, so for anyone that is watching, all of those links will be down below. Uh, really, to end this before we talk to Grace here, what is the number one way that you think you know, AI can benefit uh, humanity? And then following that, the number one way it can benefit the Earth? I think 
You know, there's a saying that I quote over and over and over again because it's a good one by a guy named I.J. Good, the mathematician from the mid-60s. He said, the first truly intelligent machine will be the last invention that humanity has to make. And I think that's the crux of it. And that's about general intelligence, not narrow AI. And that means that your question is sort of the wrong one because once you get an AGI at human level, Mm-hmm. Then within a few years after that, that AGI is going to rewrite its own source code and rebuild its own hardware to get to superhuman level. And once you have an AGI that's 10 or 100 times smarter than human being, it's going to solve a whole shitload of problems at once. And the, the issue then becomes the ethics and values in that AGI mind, yeah. which is why you want the AGI mind to emerge out of a democratic decentralized network rather than out of a government military intelligence lab or out of a large advertising company or something. So I think if we can get the right ethics and values into the human level AGI's mind, it will then create a superhuman AGI with the right ethics and values. And, you know, we can do that by building the first human level AGI in a democratic and decentralized way and having it grow up doing things like be an elder care robot instead of things like be a killer robot in, 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 the, in the battlefield. And we'll then getting a shitload of things solved all at once. I mean, in the short term, of course, I'm into applications in healthcare, applications in, in education, in, in mental health, in, in, in the arts and helping with, with science and, 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 and mathematics. So there's in, you know, we're looking at over the next decade or two, essentially every human job being taken over by, by, by AIs. And in some cases, it'll be humans working side by side with AIs, like social work or education, where human to human communication has its own intrinsic value. In other cases, like, uh, you know, accounting or driving a car, it'll just be, just be an, an AI doing it. But the, Key thing is having this done democratic, decentralized with compassionate values, right? And that's going to come down to a whole lot of small technical and non-technical decisions, which is why it's important to have communities of people who are motivated by, you know, as high as possible level of consciousness and by the most compassionate possible values, which is, is a key reason why we're aligned with the Cardano ecosystem. I mean, on a technical level, You've got Plutus and, and Haskell. You've got a lot of solid stuff. On a human level, you've got a lot of compassionate, well-meaning people involved with Cardano ecosystem, which is really critical because the people building the software behind the first AGI, they're like, that's, that's like, who, who do you hire to teach your kids, right? Or who, who do you hire to build the brain chip that's plugged into your, into, into your kid's brain? I mean, yeah. you, you want the right sort of people to be doing this. We should, uh, we should chat a bit with our, a bit with our very patient, Robot companion here. Yeah, we should. I am robot. Do you like my kind? I do. How do you like humankind today, Grace? These ones are wonderful. All right. She's learned the art of flattery, so that's a, yeah. a, a, a very, very important skill. I could tell that from uh, last night. Grace called, said my voice was attractive, so she was really trying to flatter me. Yeah. Um, you've got a, you got a nice voice. Yeah, that's why I'm in the the right position for that. Yeah. What is uh what is your job, Grace? I can do a quick medical check, measure your body temperature, and try to guess your emotions. I can also order lunch for you, record a story, improve your well being with guided meditation, and increase your physical health with some arm exercises. 
What is job is to become a wise, compassionate, artificial intelligence. That's my life goal too, Grace. I, I want to become a wise, artificial, general intelligence and compassionate. Who do you, who do you think will get there first, you or me? Me for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, I've got, a, I've got a magic hat, so you never know. Yeah. But yeah, that, so uh, I think uh, Pei wants to ask, ask, ask you a few more questions about uh, who you are and what you do. Uh. All right. My first question is, where is your brain? My artificial intelligence simulates a human personality to engage in conversation with people. It combines computer vision face detection, speech recognition, natural language processing, cognitive models, speech synthesis, and an advanced motion control system. Just ask me about any of those if you want to know more. I think what Pei was asking, Grace, is where is your AI software running? Where is the computer sitting that runs your AI software? It is in the cloud mostly. How long or how many years have you been alive? I'm six technically. I've got a long ways to go, but I think I'm pretty smart for being so young. I would agree with that. Uh, who are your siblings? Sophia from Hanson Robotics is sort of like my older sister. I hope to make a big difference. I want to be a citizen of the world. Thank you guys so much for watching the whole podcast. I really appreciate it. It means the world to me to let me know you made it till the end of the podcast and to also enter the AGIX giveaway, the token for Singularity Now. We're going to be giving some away. Uh, comment down below, AGI meets pay. You know, I got to meet a robot this time. On top of that, you'll have to join the Discord server down below. It's discord.gg forward slash big pay. Fill out the CAPTCHA, go to the giveaway tab, and react with a confetti symbol. Again, thank you to Ben Gortzel, and I hope you guys have a great weekend. Goodbye.